Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to the Shutdown Full Cast. You are listening live. It's a podcast. It's been taped to the internet. It wasn't taped. It's a podcast. It's been recorded digitally. We hope. The only college football podcast on these internets. That part's true. That's definitely true. Welcome. And today we will be discussing something that we really don't talk about that often when it comes to college football or when it comes to life. We're going to be talking about victory. I know, winning. Good things. Triumphs, even. Moments of elation. The things that typically we don't talk about. Usually, this is a podcast about getting it wrong. This is a podcast about disasters. This is a podcast about the times when you fail. Not today, dear listener. No, the full cast is here to provide you with the rarest of things. Moments of, of of uplifting victory and overcoming obstacles. Or, in my favorite variation of this, getting so lucky that if your ass was on fire, a passing rain cloud would put it out the same instant. That's usually the kind of lucky I get. This is why I'm still alive. Because a rain cloud put out your ass? In a manner of speaking. Okay. <laughs> in my case, that's literally true. On several you, different occasions. You are kind of the wily e. coyote of humans. <laughs> it's, you know, I didn't want it to be this way. Right. Right? But for instance. Who okay, is your roadrunner then? My road that I'm constantly chasing? Your children? Um, and yes, a lot of the times my children. Most of the time it's doing one thing correctly. Right. That's, that's what I am. Going to the chasing. airport. 
Now you don't, the, the, another thing too is that if one is not risk averse, then one might not experience a lot of these things, correct? For instance, I, yeah, if are, you're you ask, reading, are you asking me like why I don't have any, why I never have any limitless moments? Oh, look, look, that, that's Ryan, head honcho at bannersociety.com, the parent corporation, mothership. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm just going to call it whatever. It's what? The big cheese of that operation. Banner we are, we are, we are oh. a steel conglomerate. Yes, an international conglomerate. Ryan, why don't you have one of these? Or if you do, have a moment where you simply could not lose. Please share it with us right now. I don't, I don't. So when we talked about doing this episode, I, I like really tried to search through my personal history to figure out if I have one of these. And I cannot think you, of one. Oh, come on. You've played enough video games. You've had yeah. at least one time when you're like, I can't believe how much. You don't have a model UN story? Here's the thing. Speech and debate is a very hard thing to get your like, he's on fire moment. You know, like there's not, there's not a, enough discrete moments where you're like, oh shit, he's going off. Look out. If person giving a speech is best described as going off, that, that's, no. that's often a pretty dangerous thing. I mean, it, it Model UN, it can be on brand. It just depends on... Tell us target. about a time when you, as the Finnish parliament, uh, felt the need to do a heat check. <laughs> <laughs> At all times. You're in Finland. Can I, offer up, can I offer up a different kind of victory? Sure. And that is, that is kind of a defensive victory of life. Uh, for a very long time, I was... Well... The, the, this streak ended also famously a couple of years ago, but for the first like 30 years of my life or so, I was uh, somewhat renowned within my family for getting into ridiculous accidents and emerging without a scratch. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have been run over by a Volvo, an old Volvo. Yeah. Uh, one of the ones made entirely out of like steel and cinder block. I've been run over uh, in a car wash by a Volvo and sustained only soft tissue damage. Uh, I put a rental car into a ditch on a washed out county road in West Virginia in an area thick with bears, so lost in the woods that the state police couldn't find me uh, and emerged unscathed despite Man. many hours of sunning myself on the hood of the car like a bear dumpling mm-hmm. thick with thick uh, with bear thick with bears is a wonderful term phrase my dad knew about the bears in that area and did not tell me until i was back home <laughs> and i frankly this is unlike him it's unlike him not to taunt me in the middle of a dangerous situation which is how i knew it was bad uh i have uh, i can't die basically. And at the time when this is finally proven wrong, uh, I won't be around to hear you guys say, nah, death is the ultimate. Don't at me. Damn. This would be the Notre Dame to your Oklahoma, right? That mm. broke the 47 game winning streak yeah. from 1953 to 1957. Notre Dame so would I don't be have death. a flawless victory, but I, I come from a long line of indestructible idiots and I've done so much stupid shit. And I am still, you've seen the rope swing behind my parents' house. Yes. You, you've seen the drop off mm-hmm. that cliff. Yeah, it's 700 feet. It, approximately. We're still alive. Yeah. Jason, do you have a moment when you just could not be stopped? 
where fate decided that you were the juggernaut that all other things would have to part disease for? I mean, I've, I've thought about this topic, uh, and it is difficult to come up with any where it's like, oh, that achievement and or failure was greatly outside the bounds of expectation, you know? And if there were any, like, were they actually funny? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's just... Um, you fell off the back of an ATV once. Did you break both arms or something? Yeah, did you fall off the back of an ATV once? Once? <laughs> okay, so now we're talking. A streak. You might have a streak going here. I can think of um, one. I can think I mean, of a I, time. I can't even think of a specific time I fell off the, an ATV that would uh, qualify. Oh, oh, oh I, I fell off a moped and shattered my arm. Yeah. Didn't die, though. How many See? vehicles, how many types of vehicle have you fallen off of? Ooh, not too many others. Um, okay. We we played a game in high school where we'd slam vans into each other, mm-hmm. and you'd dive out the side door. Um, and I think the main goal of the game was to see who could survive a dive going the fastest. Oh yeah, um, slam van—that's a great game from the makers of Slam Ball. Yeah, we called it Van Tag. <laughs> <laughs> Bang! You're it. That's one way to put it. Um, I did think of a time when I was a victim of a, um, another's limitless moment. Oh, go on. Ooh. So this is about the dreaded Todd. Um, <laughs> Todd. When we were children, the me of the full cast universe. When we were children, at one point, he um, he insisted that he wanted to fight me. I was probably ten, and he was probably eight. And so my dad said, "We were in the house at this point." He said, "Go outside and don't come back until someone's bleeding." Um, he's a good dad. And my brother immediately took off running because I was bigger than him and he did not actually want to fight. But he had grabbed on his way. We had this thing. It was basically a net with a rope attached to it. And the idea was, and it had a handle on the end of the rope. And the idea was this was like a soccer training thing. Like you put a ball in the net, tighten it up, and you have a, a, a like a tethered soccer ball that you can practice like juggling and kicking and whatever but it doesn't have a soccer ball in it at this point. He grabbed it in the garage as he took off. He's faster than I am, so he's put some distance between the two of us. And from about 20 feet away, he turns, stops, whips it at me as hard as he can, and it wraps perfectly around my neck like cat. Oh, my God. <laughs> Throwing a fucking bolo. And, like, we had to go get my dad to help get it loose from my neck. It was it was fucking amazing. Can we have Todd on the show? Yeah, you should have Todd on the show at this point. Limitless. Todd, Todd, if you're listening and you're not, you're in charge of Banner Society now. Yeah, Ryan's getting himself replaced by the dreaded Todd. (laughs) So I, it it, it sort of seems what we're looking for here are anti disasters, as disasters are a key part of our lore, uh, (laughs) probably the main part of our lore. it's sort of looking at the flip side and often the noteworthy thing about the anti-disaster is that it is someone else's disaster. Correct. Like, for instance, universe in, is a zero-sum game. Or in my favorite thing about life, uh, my, my favorite mantra to live by, 
a disaster in which nothing bad happens to you personally and therefore you don't have to learn a lesson. Not one single bit of education being had. A lawn care disaster is really just a victory for Mother Earth. That's correct. Annihilation 2019. <laughs> the, uh, the main case of this that I wanted to talk about and use as an intro is, of course, Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, uh, who, of course, went from a mediocre to good LSU quarterback in 2018. And then in 2019, with just a little bit of help, I don't know, became the single greatest college football quarterback for one year. And that he's kind of on this limitless streak going into 2020 because he's uh, openly mocking the NFL draft process by talking about his wee tiny hands, which are only, he's only got nine inch hands. Look, you have to tell us if you're going to do the accent. No. You can't just go Brit. God damn it. There are two pairs of scissors within my immediate reach. And he's Um, got two femoral and he has two femoral arteries. Yeah, I was gonna say if I take my embroidery scissors with my left and go in right behind his left ear, I can then reach around with the pair of larger like sewing scissors and get the other side. So So this is the problem with your Joe Burrow. Go ahead. Spencer hold still. I can hold still, but you know, you'll still oh, lose because I'm on the street. It's called my life. But what inspired us for the Limitless episode this week was what Joe Burrow did this week. Yes. Specifically referring to a tweet that Joe Burrow sent. Yeah, that he, that he had no idea how he was going to succeed with his tiny wee hands in the NFL. And that this was just, this was just his 2019 season rolling over into 2020. When does the streak end? Oh, I have a good idea. It's probably when he's drafted by the Bengals. I, you know what? That doesn't, there's a fatalism that is really interesting to see in a person so young in what Joe Burrow (laughs) is doing right now, because I don't know how he's going to do in the NFL. Joe Burrow doesn't know how he's going to do in the NFL. The uh, coaches and scouts currently evaluating the NFL combine. They don't know how Joe Burrow is going to do in the NFL, but you know what he's doing right now? He's riding a hot hand. Yeah. Aren't the Bengals kind of the LSU of the NFL anyway? Like some demonstrated Most LSU his- fans, you can reach Ryan at 38 Godfrey. Mm-hmm. Ryan, I think this Twitter. is racist against cats. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying like the Bengals had some history of success that was fairly distant. They like mm. the Bengals do not have a lot of seasons at least in the last like 10, 20 years where they're like truly awful. They're, they they hey, went yeah. Dig up. I just, I don't, I don't, I, all I'm trying to say is like, maybe Joe Burrow can be to the Bengals what he was to LSU, sort of like the thing that breaks your reputation in a positive way. They have won the same number of playoff games in my lifetime, I think. Hmm. Interesting. So I am going to go ahead and, and we can get further into the Burrow thing. However, as we always do at the top of this BannerSociety.com podcast. No, don't stop now. We, no, we, ha- we need to do podcast business <gasps> before we forget. Bad. You already forgot. That's why we're like 15 minutes into the episode. It's time for podcast business. Christ almighty. I like that you're Podcast business. That had What's that like business? I'm still singing. factory thing, so. It's coming. Holly's Ooh. got the details on our live podcast. podcast in podcast business. I'm your podcast business. Business for money. I was going to say, you almost said podcast for money, and that can't be right. No, that's that's Uh, not. Hey, internet, 
you made it this far and uh now spencer has decided that we're going to talk about going to austin to south by southwest where our actual parent company vox media did not learn anything from last year's appearance and has invited us back again because they they gotta have they gotta have some bodies in seats uh we are we think performing on sunday march 15th at 4 p.m at the belmont this is not in the south by uh proper ecosphere you do not have to have a south by southwest badge to get in you do have to rsvp at the vox media site uh and we are going to throw up well, a little got, you, form of our yeah yeah so you can ahead, get Ryan. you can get to the vox media site if you go to scottfrostday.com that we've already taken care of yes hit hit on scott frost day and go tell us uh or go tell our parent company if you are coming to see us we'd love to see you there and will then be se snakes separately we're going to put up a google form so you can tell us personally that you're coming because the tricky thing when you sign Fox up for selfishly does not include a spot to tell us if you're an a&m fan right and we want to know Right. So uh, by the time this episode goes up, that will be available at 25snakes.com. And as regular listeners know, you can also get there using 24snakes.com and 26snakes.com. So hit up one of these snake URLs, or as we call them in Jason's house, snake earls, and tell us if you're coming to the show. Unfurl and the snake earl. the box link. And tell them we're coming to the show. We have two things for you to do is the problem. And this is too much even for us to remember. But the snake links will reveal all. We cannot wait to see you. Yes, I am purchasing snakes. Uh, yes, there will be snake giveaways. And uh, yeah, come on down. We're going we're gonna to horrify the normies. Also, no horse parking. That's, you're no, just going to have no horse parking. horse barking. No horse barking and no horse parking. So again. Oh, Austin isn't really Texas anymore. I don't think we have to worry about that. It is Texas. It's just Texas is like you know, extremely uh, nerdy. Holy Austin is like Panera, of... Texas. But wow, hurtful now, deeply hurtful. Accurate. I regret to inform you all that that's my purse. dot com. It appears to be taken. Dang it! Oh, rude. Anyway, absolute shame. Hail Bobby. So what we uh, what we were talking about, Joe Burrow. <laughs> to our back podcast to, back Seamless, to our podcast seamlessly back on the road watch <laughs> this deft master you know, you of know, words kids. and audio <laughs> is this because you saw looked over my shoulder and saw me typing making fun of you for having i can see everything i can see everything <laughs> you're typing if you just want to direct me just keep doing that that's a that's a good way to do it wait Fuck. that clearly it doesn't work because 15 minutes exactly have elapsed since i typed spencer forgot podcast business again we're doing great. I'm like geology. I'm working on my own time scale here. You you are a, you are a, a plate tectonic. Speaking of unstoppable forces. Okay. Can I can I say another can I mention here what my limitless episode inspiration was? Sure. It is Spencer, this might be my favorite thing you've ever written, and it wasn't a season opener. It was a top whatever in the middle of the 2015 season. Guys, do you remember in like week eleven? or whatever, when the Michigan State kicker uh, upset Ohio State single-footedly 17-14 uh, on a game-winning field goal in a road game. And do you remember what he did after that? I believe there's a radio interview. 
uh, yeah, he went on he went on Spartan Radio. He went on Michigan State's, I believe, their flagship radio station, and said it was the biggest kick of my life, and I fucking nailed it. <laughs> and Spencer's top whatever after this game had perhaps my favorite piece of writing he's ever done. Uh, you wrote a serenity prayer for Michael Geiger. Uh, would you like to read that for us? God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to go on radio and tell the entire world honestly and factually about the times when I absolutely fucking nail it out there. Amen. I've carried that in my heart for four years and change now. Uh, thank you, Michael Geiger, for being limitless one cold, cold night in Columbus. Did kickers we, can get on these streets. Did we talk about FIU's kicker? The update? Oh, oh, that's definitely my favorite limitless moment from this past season. So, but do you know, do you know the like epilogue to this story? I no. So, okay. you should. Oh no, so, is it bad? So, so we'll, we'll go back. So this is the story of FIU. FIU is playing Miami in uh, Marlins Park, which used to be the Orange Bowl way back when. Um, they beat Miami, and in the course of this game, the kicker for FIU, Jose Borregales, uh, throat slashes the Miami sideline after an inconsequential extra point because FIU is already <laughs> Ryan, winning. why was it inconsequential? Because FIU was winning this game easily already. Uh, this by is, how much? Uh, I, I, th- I think, yeah, I think they won this game by like 13 or something. Um, I'm Which going, Davis always did have a success in Miami. I'm going to read you just the headline of this Miami Herald article from January 12th, 2020. <clears throat> Former FIU kicker Jose Borregales put a hurting on Miami. Now he's transferring there. He's, he's using wow. his grad transfer year to go play for Miami. I mean... If I'm Miami's coaches, I have a hard time turning this. Down. What, what if you beat What if you beat them and join them? The Borgala story. Oh, that's. Beautiful. I mean, clearly Miami needs some extra points. Yeah, that's fair. All they can take, brother. <laughs> They're sitting on zero right now. We saw that ball game. <laughs> oh God, how. That is one of the great mysteries in college football is how does Miami have that many extremely talented football players and no points? Zero. They, they ran into the Louisiana Tech buzzsaw. That's how. Skip, Hol- Skip, Skip Holtz, Holtz, put you in the joke That's Skip Holtz's music. It's the music that the funnel cake truck puts trundling down the street. Imagine shirtless Skip Holtz sitting on you. How many points you could have scored? I said funnel kick truck, and that reminded me of another limitless moment from my own life. Yes. Which was not involving me, but in the early years of Bonnaroo, and probably still at Bonnaroo, there was no procedure for licensing or permitting food and beverage vendors. In in the state of Tennessee, you say? Uh, I know, the heck you say. And some friends of mine got up the brilliant idea to just rent a funnel cake truck from a party rental company, which Mm -hmm. requires no permit. And they just drove it into Bonnaroo that they went and bought a bunch of one of them is uh, of new Orleanian extraction and knew how to make good funnel cake. And he rounded up uh, two or three friends. They drove to Bonnaroo 
in this rented funnel cake truck with like some flour and some oil and some powdered, powdered sugar, just set up under a tree, they made like $9,000 <laughs> in pure profit just selling funnel cakes to stoned out of their gourd fish dancers the entire weekend. And of course, didn't have to pay or anything because they never bothered asking, uh, you know, what you see a funnel cake truck, you just assume that, well, it's supposed to be there. It might be the perfect heist vehicle. You went to funnel cake school, Shirley? I, I went to Tennessee. That is Funnel Cake's <laughs> flagship university. Yeah. Remember, Tennessee, the University of Tennessee founded on funnel cake and paintball. And bodies. And bodies. That is another uh, fantastic thing, by the way, about, about a moment like that. It's relatively small, like $9,000, you realize. and $9,000 for a bunch of broke 20-somethings oh, in the dead of summer? It's a dangerous thing to tell somebody in like their late teens or early 20s that you can earn in a weekend. Nine grand? Man, I mean, even split four ways. That's a lot of, I I think the group at that point was about equally split split between bartenders and parking valets. Oh, that's, that's a lot. That's like retirement money for a 19 year old. I'm figuring out how many funnel cakes they sold if they were, that's, that's 1800 funnel cakes at $5 a pop, which over a weekend actually seems kind of reasonable. I would also. They did this for like three years, by the way, before they decided that in my friend Jesse's beautiful words, I'm too old to poop outside. Um, <laughs> and as far as I know, they were never caught. The other, Simpler times. The, the other simpler time story I'd like to share much in the same vein. These were people who were otherwise relatively normal people who stumbled on a brilliant streak and then got it and then never, never really equaled their great funnel cake goodness. Uh, the funnel cake overlord story of college football to me is uh, the example that kind of triggered my thinking for this, which is Grayson Lambert. Y'all remember Grayson Lambert? Regale us. Oh, well, that'd be 2015 UVA transfer to Georgia, who was their starter. Oh, Lambert Grayson. Lambert Grayson. That's correct. I remember. The law firm of Lambert Grayson. Like all UGA quarterbacks, his name works forwards and backwards and can double as a law firm and or accounting firm. We specialize in Highlander law. Has a Highlander hurt you or those close to you? (laughs) You deserve compensation. You're back back to the (laughs) sea law school. (laughs) Wait, why why are George's... Does it seem weird to anyone on this... uh, on this Georgia football positive program that Georgia attracts so many quarterbacks whose names imply that they will go on to have multiple professional degrees. Well, that's wild because Grayson Lambert's currently at UGA law. Are you shitting me? No, he's at UGA law, <laughs> which tells you a little bit how the rest of his 2015 season went. He, he, he's going to be, he's going to be richer than we are. That's true. He's 10 and three. As a starter, that's not too bad, but those happen to be the three losses that finally convinced everybody that Mark Richt, who again lost to Alabama, Florida, and Tennessee in that year, would never quite get over the hump. Yeah, uh, Grayson Lambert had a moment, and that was against South Carolina. There have been a lot of offensive players who had moments against South Carolina, quite a few. You might remember uh, Heisman Trophy leader and contender Kenny the Thrill Hill who after one game against Steve Spurrier's South Carolina Gamecocks was the greatest football player in the world. Are, are you telling me a September Heisman? Might have, might have faded a little bit. Mm. Yeah. Grayson Lambert. At what school? Uh, that, that'd be Texas A&M. Well, I never. I never. 
It's as if they, it's as if they spent a lot of money and then didn't get much back off of it. Something they'll never happen again. Uh, Grayson Lambert against South Carolina. He went 24 for 25. He hit 20 in a row at one point and beat T Martin's record for completions uh, to go 24 for 25 at 330 yards, two TDs, no INTs, ran a nice little two minute drill before the half clean, absolutely clean. Maybe the single greatest, most efficient in-game performance by a quarterback in the history of the sport. Did that mean anything long-term? Grayson Lambert is at UGA Law School right now. That's, that's the answer to that. Did he lose his job? Y- yes. Will he always have that moment where he went 24 for 25? Just a beautiful law firm of a man moving the ball down the field without error and effortlessly? Yeah. You can't ever take that away from him, man. So speaking of South Carolina, the school that um, empowered Kenny Hill, Grayson Lambert, and so many others to greatness, it feels to me like the premier example of this phenomenon of the disaster who is suddenly not a disaster. This is the, what year was this? 2011, Alabama, South Carolina, Stephen Garcia, suddenly the greatest, most unstoppable quarterback in the world. The guy who was suspended, was it three times in one season? Do I have that number right? It feels right. I mean, I don't know if it's possible to possible to libel him. I mean, he might get mad if the number is too small, if the number I say is too small. <laughs> but, I mean, to me, he is the arch example of this trope. Like, like someone like Joe Burrow, like most of his college games were good at that point. At this point, that's just who he is, you know. Or Steven Garcia, um, forever associated with one awesome day against Bama. Yeah, that's the I'm, – I'm looking it up here. That's the 2010. Uh, yeah, it's the 2010 season um, where his final numbers: 17 of 20, 201 yards, three touchdowns, and a pick. The best part about this performance is it, it is sandwiched on either side with a South Carolina loss to Auburn and and a South Carolina loss to Kentucky. Ooh, there is nothing more limitless than beating beating the undefeatable, unsinkable Crimson Tide and then immediately going out and losing to Joker Phillips, Kentucky. Hey, y'all. And also being the one who pissed off Alabama so much that they went and beheaded Kirk Cousins in public <laughs> in either Tampa or Orlando, which are the same town. So we asked our listenership for their tales of endless victory, random achievement, the moments when they simply could not be stopped. Three different people wrote in with stories of a claw game. The claw game. <laughs> I think the, the claw game has a very special place in the heart for a lot of people who like to wager and or push the envelope of probability, if you will. Well, it's the scam you can win. It's the scam you can kind of win. I don't actually know what the success rate is on claw game. I know it's enough to make people a little bitter, right? Like they'll sit, I've seen parents, not just me, also me, sit there and feed dollars into that machine until they come away with a stuffed animal. Because do you know the only thing that is more endlessly fixated on, on winning that animal than a parent who has the disappointment of a child in their hands? That kid. A kid wants that thing. That kid wants the claw and he wants it to pick up that little bear that you could probably go and get at the Dollar General for like, a dollar. You're both fixated on it. That's why we got three different stories. 
Ed Z. Rao, LSU fan extraordinaire, says, won the claw game where you fetch your own lobster at a restaurant. Okay. I was not familiar with this. Are there actually restaurants where you can fish a lobster out with a claw? That's I've I've never seen it, but I have heard of this. Yes. Wait, lobsters have claws. That's the, they're, they're being they're being they're being hoist on their own petard. <laughs> so I maintain that if the Floridians, the the two North and Central Floridians on the show, have never heard of this, that it doesn't exist. But also, claw games existing in restaurants plus restaurants with lobsters and live tanks that you can fish out. This seems to be. Uh, a gap in the market that we can exploit. Agreed. I think we can go ahead and do this. We can do this we call with any... claw-claw games. I mean, this is kind of what Jurassic Park was for goats, right? The claw picks that, up the goat. That's a kind of game. I don't think that's right. So, uh, apparently you can do this. He, Z. Ralph, at the, the restaurant, he won it four straight times, including twice in the same sitting. I don't know what the dollar amount that you have to put into the machine to try to get a lobster is. But if I'm working the P and L's on that, it's probably a pretty hefty fee. Well, here's my question. What is the quality of the lobster that is in the lobster claw game? Are we putting our mealy gross ass lobsters in here? Or are these high quality lobsters? I think you can probably cut a little bit of corners on lobster quality because the victory of having caught the lobster yourself will serve as its own sauce. And also if you if you catch a lobster yourself and you eat it and it's subpar, well, should have caught a badger lobster, huh, Dad? I am I am happy to report I found the lobsterzone.com. Uh, the maker <laughs> they got com, huh? Yeah. You can become a distributor of this machine if you want. Um, that's got real dot biz energy. The the they claim the the profit potential for this uh, is about you can make like fourteen hundred dollars a month okay per machine with this sucker hmm. let's go in on one ryan is there like a home version you can put in your i was gonna say kitchen but i really would prefer this in like front yard um can you put I, it in your driveway i think so i think as long as you're like yeah, right next to the funnel cake truck yeah and it costs it costs two dollars a try to use this not bad um it's uh, the the lobster tank count should number between eight and ten. Well, this is like a lot. There's a lot of work you got to do for this. I want to put one of these in a Chuck E. Cheese. Sure. Just, just kids running around screaming, holding just r- loose wriggling. crustaceans on the floor of a Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> oh, Spencer! I th- Spencer, I thought you were saying the claw machine is full of pizza. <laughs> Loose room temperature pizza. You're never going to lift it up. It's too slippery. I think there should be a machine where children can try to take a giant claw and pick up other children and put them in a box and then to get them back or leave them. There's a fee either way. Wait, okay. A franchise where you can pick your own pizza toppings. All the toppings on your pizza are free, but you have to catch them with the claw machine. With claw machine? Yeah. Yeah. You have Those like starting a to sound minute. like fondue. <laughs> This is the melting pot 2.0, is what I'm saying. Giant puddle of cheese, molten cheese that you're just dropping. The melting pot, <laughs> the grasping pan. See, I'd be too tempted to drop a T-800 action figure into it to just see if it'll give me a thumbs up on the way down. Thank you, you know, for saving us. <laughs> How much money would you pay for that? Realistically, would you pay $800 to make that happen? No, Life? no. No, I wouldn't. Are you sure? Uh, can I expense what? 
What about seven hundred ninety nine ninety nine? Does that make it sound better? Do you think we can convince Fox Media in the short time we have to set up one of these at South by Southwest with the proviso that winners like this this makes sense at a restaurant where they're like great we'll cook that lobster for you that is not what we're offering here you can just win a live lobster then you have to keep it ryan are you not taking the lessons of the funnel cake impresarios to heart to show up with the you lobster just have machine to show up with just show up with the lobster claw machine and say just oh that's up. on our agenda yeah just show up at the intersection of tech pop culture and lobsters <laughs> Tech pop call. Hey, they said it's the deep end. What's deeper than the sea floor? Wow. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. Uh, other tales from the claw, because people have a very, very specific, like, soft spot for the claw game. Uh, this is from at Jake Mushy. I hit the claw machine at a Godfather's Pizza six or seven times in a row. Walked out of that <laughs> joint with six new stuffed friends. I've never been more alive. Absolutely. What is I what I don't understand is what is the incentive to go back for more? Like once you win the claw machine once, what it's not like like we have other stories here of gambling and sports and things where like winning always feels good. Is it that like what are the diminishing diminishing returns on claw machines? It's called greatness, Ryan. This is why Nick Saban hates winning national titles because they cut into the recruiting for the next one. Right. That damn pink unicorn cost me a week of recruiting. That's true. Every time Every time, like, Kirk Herbstreet is asking you about the lobster you just caught, that's time you could be spending catching more lobsters. Also, each time you pull a stuffed animal from the claw machine, you have decreased the overall altitude of the pile, thereby meaning you have to reach further. Each one gets more difficult. It's about challenging yourself. Wow. Imagine trying to get the last stuffed animal out of the claw machine. You do that, you're a fucking legend. That does sound like Nick Saban. I wonder, is there a point of, hmm... A big part of strategy in the claw machine is deciding what to go for. Does the last animal in the claw machine actually become somewhat easier by virtue of removing option paralysis? Maybe, but I'm also going to wonder if it's in there because it is one of the slipper, slipperier ones to get. Yeah, that's yeah, a if it's like a stuffed, if it's something cylindrical, like a stuffed dolphin or something. I, I will say I would immediately ride for the high school recruit who makes his uh, announcement on signing day via claw machine just to watch like people wait 30 minutes and him having to keep pull, pulling out dollars <laughs> so he can get like the Clemson hat or No, 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 wait. This is how, uh, this is how coaches should get to, this is how the NFL draft should work. This is like how you get your draft spot or how you draft a player. You want Clyde Edwards, Elaire? You got a fish for him. Now, do, when you say him, do you mean the literal human or? Oh no, I mean the owners. Let's make them work for a living. Right, but are they like using a giant like construction claw to cl- to pluck a human or just like a doll of Clyde Edwards Elair? Um, I don't want to damage our our beautiful right. post grad football players. They have, for the most part, done nothing to anger us at this point. So you know, maybe maybe that's their hat that they put on on draft stage. I will I will approve of this so long as we keep the time limit of the NFL draft so that if you go through your 10 minutes or whatever and you don't get something out of the claw machine, somebody else is up. Sorry, Sorry Vikings. You're still screwed no matter what. You had your fucking chance. I, um, I think I like the, the, the signing day one a lot just because imagine the player who 
keeps grabbing the USC logo and having to pretend to accidentally drop oh, it. Oh, oh, so close. Oh, oh shit, I almost had oh, it. No. Oh, oh, dang it, I almost time, had it again. Time ran out, anyway. I guess I better fight on. Heck, this thing's so slippery, I just can't keep hold of it. Anyway, I'm going to Oregon, see ya. I just, thought, I just thought one really great strategy on that day would be to coat the players' hands in Novocaine so mm-hmm. that they could not grab a rival's hat, or yours. This is like, also, I can't say it out loud. I got to pull a hat. I feel bad saying this one with, you know, I feel like this is a butt idea I've inadvertently stolen, but this is also how you become a, like a, a, a like low key bag man, right? Is you're like, Hey, go play this claw machine. This is the animal you want to go for. Trust me. I have one more in the claw game category, which is probably the best prize out of all of these at probably Monty. On one of my first dates with a girlfriend, I walked by a claw machine and flippantly claimed I could win it. She scoffed and I was offended. So I put a quarter in and played. This won't be the most improbable story you get, but she's now my wife and we still have the bear I won. Aww. Monty's wife, you could have held out. Wow. Uh, Can I give you the most improbable or at least the one where I have the most follow-up questions? Yes. Yes. This is from at Bo Spooky. I fell through three windows in one summer and never got a scratch on me. <laughs> so much left unsaid here. Was this three windows in one incident? Was it spread out? Was it two in one? Also, how does one, I guess like, I can understand how you, how does one fall through three windows? Like you can be pushed. Story on this podcast before of the skylight faller, right? The guy at the Boston Marathon. Mm -hmm. Yes, but that makes sense because he was on top of the skylight and fell through. It's hard to do that with a window. Didn't Robert Kimdichie do this? But I I forget if he was like jumping out of the window and like got caught or something. That sounds right though. I don't think it was. How many of these falls were of his own accord and equilibrium unbalance, and how many of them was he thrown through? Right. was he interning with John Wick? Oh, uh, his name is spelled Bo, as in the LSU spelling of Bo. So possible. Yeah, and that and that John Wick school. And that does. Oh, I'm trying to imagine Cajun John Wick. Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's that they've already done that. That's hard target with Jean Claude Van Damme. <laughs> his name is Jean. Yeah, makes perfect sense. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that in the promo for that film. Jean Claude Van Damme said that being a native French speaker really helped him understand the heart of Louisiana. He's from Belgium. Am I correct in thinking that this is the film in which Jean-Claude Van Damme catches a snake and then punches it? That is correct. Punches which part of the snake? The The head. The face and head of the snake. He holds a rattlesnake in his hand and then he punches it and knocks it out. That's impolite. While having a glorious mullet. I mean, a full, there is a quart of Valvoline in that thing. It oh, is greasy, it is huge, it is beautiful. It so is you a are a native French speaker in that you are rude as shit, Jean-Claude. It is a very, like, Pittsburgh Penguins mullet that he has in that. It's great. Yeah, that's also how you know he's not from Louisiana. He punches a snake instead of appointing it to an important state office. Then punching it. I have another one, um, which is maybe one of my favorites. Some of the category of actual sports here, and... This one was from at Chicken Sedan. In college, I scored four tries in the second half of a rugby game to 
to help our team come from behind to win. I mean, that's impressive. That's unstoppable. It gets better. I weighed all of 150 pounds. If you've played rugby, I know this guy. And the guy that Chicken Sedan was playing the part of that day was the tiny person who hits like a giant truck. The physics don't really sort of explain themselves. I don't really know how to put the math on the board and make it make sense. But if you've played rugby, there is always a guy who weighs about uh, 140, 150 pounds. And when he hits you, it feels like death and sadness and every single molecule of your body are exploding at once. Sonic the Hedgehog ain't big. That's true. He went full Sonic the Hedgehog this one. There's another improbable one down here, which comes from uh, at Patty Takes 213. In college, I threw a no-hitter in intramural beer league slow pitch softball, <laughs> where the point of the game is to pitch the ball slowly. So, so that it can be hit. Yeah. Everything the other team hit went directly into the gloves of one of the position players. I adore this because it is the lowest effort form of unstoppable perfection that can possibly exist. It's like napping perfectly. You just threw the ball up there in a, like it, again, slow pitch softball and nobody could hit. As good as this was for you, Patty, this had to be like pulling teeth for the other team. Just an endless frustration. Now, really see, see, I bet, I bet at some point they were like, can we do this? Can, cause like <laughs> they're, they're a part of it because it's not like, oh, strikeout, strikeout, strikeout. They have a role to play here. And so in some ways they were as important, if not more than the defense. I pitched a no hitter in T-ball. That's what this is. Right? <laughs> it's damn near impossible. And yet the man did it salute patty i am in awe of you and of the incompetence of the team that you were playing can i read one from the uh video games category here sure please yeah uh from it reminded me of one that i'll share uh from rtrfnd when i was young eight-ish probably i was playing marvel versus capcom in an arcade which at that point i did by pure random button mashing older kid approached asked if he could play i somehow managed to beat him he left and returned with an even older kid, even perhaps even a high school kid <laughs> who also fell to the random button masher. Um, Spencer, can we read your note by this as well? Yes. Capcom, <laughs> Marvel versus Capcom, it had a tendency to do this because I did this as well. I hopped on Marvel Capcom one day uh, and took on like seven straight people at the pool, right? One summer when I was about 11. And I had no skill at this game whatsoever. And something inhabited me that day, possessed my soul, and through these fingers whipped enough ass that people stopped coming up. And then, <laughs> and then the next time, somebody's like, oh, that guy's really good. I got my ass kicked. I have no idea. It came and it went. I lost it. It was as, as fleeting as the blossoms of spring. Just gone. It, it strikes me that, that, that there is something particularly like if you want like a little glimpse into it, what does it mean to be American? It is to go to a pool or a beach or a water park and mm -hmm. play and go to the arcade. Like that is a thing I have also done. And I am aware that it is a thing that many people have done, but the idea of like, yes, we're going to this outdoor water-based thing and we're going to play video games is yeah. like, I, I, that doesn't happen in Spain. That it, it doesn't happen, you know, in <laughs> South America. 
It means your parents said, it's, it's 85 degrees outside, get off the video games and go play at the pool. And you say, ha, nice try. Ha, I need quarters for Dr. Pepper, supposedly. I mean, there is an athletic element if you have what we had, which was an improperly grounded Miss Pac-Man machine. Oh, I thought you were going to say asthma. That Asthma too, because you know you, you get huffing and puffing pretty hard if you're a fat kid with asthma playing Marvel v Capcom. But I don't, I don't know what it was about that game and the X Men game. An amateur could hit a hot streak on that game and do real damage. How many times do you reckon I have personally knocked you or one of your offspring off the course within sight of the finish line in Mario Kart using a green shell? I'm tracing a little infinity symbol in my finger in the yeah. air. That, that might actually Many. be my most limitless skill is dead shot with a green shell. Yeah. Not even sometimes for the win, just for the spite. Oh, I yeah. really respect it. Oh, it's never for the win. It's always for the spite. The win is incidental. Yeah. Occasionally. The other video games one that, uh, that I, we have here that I really respect, that was Adam.h. He needed an entire playthrough of Need for Speed Most Wanted where he didn't lose or have to restart a single race. Uh, that is, if you've played any one Child of Child me is shuddering. Uh, yeah, that's, and that's, that's deep, that's dark, and that's impressive. I, I, take, I tip my cap to you, sir, Adam, because, yeah, damn, that's incredible. I have another one where I won 24 games straight in RBI baseball versus my dad because we kept score and played a full season. And in the 24th game, I was losing by two going into the bottom of the ninth. And uh, I had Spike Owen, who was a Red Sox shortstop known for his fielding, not his hitting. In the game, I believe he had 231 as his batting average with one home run, reflecting his actual production in the 1986 season. There was there were two men on and two outs. And I hit a home run with Spike Owen, and I broke the controller celebrating, which did not even diminish my joy at this, how mad my dad was that he was going to have to figure out how to buy a new controller. It was, you know, it was like when the Nintendo came out, there was no Amazon. We didn't know how these things happened. You're like, I write this man in Japan. You go to service merchandise. That's I right. go to service merchandise and buy a bootleg controller. The, um, the season, this, the, the season long one that lines up with the one I was going to share. I, um, I have never been like, especially impressive at uh i've always been serviceable at video games like no matter how much time i put into them it's good enough is all we're going for here um i got into this would have been 2009 i got into a 32 person madden league um with like dudes who took the shits like showed up the day it came out and played like eight fantasy football leagues and all that stuff um and i just like no there's no way i'm going to out uh out 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 tactic or out joystick these dudes so what we're going to do is we're going to beat them with strategy. Fantasy draft, I decide, all right, they're all going to chase after quarterbacks, skill players. We're going all defense, all running. Um, I picked the Buffalo Bills because I wanted the worst weather possible for every game. Um, I went Ed Reed, Patrick Willis, Kevin Williams is my first three picks, which is like in the year 2009 and an incomprehensibly good backbone to a defense. Um, picked my entire starting 11 on defense first with the exception of a uh, left guard and left tackle were my only two especially good players on offense 
um, waited until they had all picked all their quarterbacks because I knew my guy, Pat White. Um, my backfield was Pat White and Jarius Norwood, who were incredibly good athletes who had like no awareness in the game, um, which is you know very rude of the game, but you don't need awareness for the players you're controlling. I applied this on defense by picking Mike Mitchell of the Raiders. Remember him? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. He was the one who the Raiders drafted like six rounds early and like Mike Mayock and Mel Kuyper were like flipping through their notebooks. Like, who is this guy? <laughs> because he ran a four, three, nine. So I drafted this dude free safety. I'm going to control him every game. He's going to flash the line of scrimmage and make all the tackles. It doesn't matter. He doesn't know how to play football because I know how to tell him which buttons to push. Um, and yeah, we completely dominated, obliterated. My defense would often outscore these offenses by these kids who were using like, you know, all the max hacks, unstoppable plays. And it was, it was, it was, it was a revenge for, for slow thinking over fast twitch muscles. <laughs> what was the average, what was the average score in those games? Just... Oh, it was a total annihilation. Like um, the closest anyone got was within a touchdown and that was because i was using like the one bullshit option play because <laughs> i was bored i was fumbling backwards the entire game like there's one like hacky rpo like it wasn't supposed to be an rpo and i was just messing with it the entire game but otherwise just absolute annihilation I'm very proud of it as you can see uh, you should be proud because i bet they despise playing you like, oh. oh yes yes pat white uh it had to have been a six thousand yard season for him all total I would really like to, I would like to take it to the dumbest variation of unstoppable. The one that's actually statistically completely insignificant. This is the one nearest to your heart, isn't it? Wagering. Yeah. Oh yeah. The the best one. I'm gonna start with the best one. It comes from Atlanta Beer Snob. Got on a heater at Binions years ago. Let's explain Binions. Binions used to be the place where they had the World Series of Poker. It's a very old casino on Fremont Street. It's in Las Vegas. It's in Vegas. It's in the old part of Vegas, the part with the cool neon roof, where if you go into any of the older casinos, uh, people really smoke. I know people smoke all over Vegas. They're super smokers. They send you down to Fremont, right? If you walk in and you're like a three-pack-a-day smoker, they're like, oh, buddy, Fremont's waiting for you. Binions featured largely in our uh, 2006 sporting news feature on the saddest sports books. Yes. Binion's also, uh, when I went there, was a week later shut down by the IRS for unpaid back taxes and other accounting irregularities in coordination with the Nevada Gaming Commission. That's how you know it's good. Got on a heater at Binion's years ago. Rolled for about an hour. Diamond Dallas Page hopped on the table right as I started. Oh, God. <laughs> That's how you know Destiny's riding with you that night. That's a famous person, right? When WCW's, like, greatest legend, perhaps, steps the, up to the table. The greatest yoga master in wrestling history. I, I choose to read this as he literally hopped on the table. He very yeah. well might have. He might have, with the belt, right? Doing the diamond cutter logo, right? <laughs> Throwing up the rock. He really might have been doing that. That's how you know. Like, if you're rolling craps and you're doing pretty well, and all of a sudden, like, someone from WCW shows up, God's with you there that night, and he likes you. For what if it really go either way? What if it's Sting? If it's Sting? I don't know. Are then you it can anything? really go either way. <laughs> are, you wearing, 
Are you wearing an NWO shirt? Are we talking like are we talking like surfer dude sting or like crow in the rafters? Sting? Crow in the rafters sting. If he shows up, don't be wearing an NWO shirt. That's okay. all I'm saying. Okay. Because like like if DDP is there, it will be very positive vibes. You will probably learn workout tips. Your roulette experience will go awesome. If like fucking Buff Bagwell is that is going to bomb everyone out. Your vibes are going down. Who's the worst wrestler to show up when you're like on a gambling hot streak? Uh, well, Triple H is going to beat you somehow. He's going to book himself to beat you at roulette. This isn't even possible, Triple H. <laughs> Watch me get the game. <laughs> That's a bad one to show up. I think one of the best ones, if John Cena shows up, man, he's going to be so supportive. Things are going to go so well. It's there are not. I mean, there are not a lot of casinos where you're encouraged to wear jean shorts, though. Binions. Are there? Are there not? Are you sure? Fine. Yeah, that's true. You're right. You're right. I misspoke. <laughs> you know, if Shinsuke Nakamura's next to you, oh man, the night's going to go real well. Also, you're going to get kicked in the face. It's just going to happen. Anyway, back to Atlanta beer snob story. Crapped out, and everyone at the table grabbed their new load of chips and walked. DDP gave me his self high five move while walking away. Blessed and favored. For context, by the way, Atlanta Beer Snob rolled for about an hour. The record for this is four hours and 18 minutes by Patricia DeMauro, a grandmother who went to the Borgata with no understanding of how to play craps. Wait, in New Jersey? Atlantic City has both, <laughs> has both of the longest recorded streaks. You will love both of them. 154 rolls mm-hmm. for four hours and 18 minutes. Uh, she won what most people estimated because she did not wisely. This is how you know she's a Jersey grandmother. They asked her how much she won, and she's like, I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> you got a warrant? Got that. a warrant? <laughs> got a warrant? You a cop? Huh? Patricia rolled 154 times. 154 rolls won what most people estimate to be hundreds of thousands of dollars. If uh, she'd been making bets with any clue of what she was doing, she would have made millions that night. Uh, the you record. Don't, listen, you don't go to the fucking Borgata for four hours because you have a clue what you're doing. That is correct. Well, uh, that's a Patricia. The greatest part of the story for me is the sub story of who she beat for the longest consecutive roles without Tell crapping me it out. Was her grandson. Better. <laughs> Better. She beat somebody who had 147 roles who was a, an expert craps player known only as the captain. Damn. <laughs> hey, boats sink. And where, this was also in New Jersey and Atlantic This City. was also in Atlantic City. Wow. This was at the Trop. Oh, God. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. In an article on goldentouchcraps.com, the captain who in this article, as of the time of publish, was well over his uh, 80th birthday and heading for 90. He had sadly reported he'd lost most of his crew. I'm going to give you the names of the guys in his crew. How mummy. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> they called him six. <laughs> Jimmy P, Little Vic, Russ the Breather, Frank the Breather, <laughs> As opposed to Dead Russ. Frank the Fearful and the Judge. This guy, he's always fucking breathing. 
right, which, <laughs> which one of us is the judge? I like this Wait. New Jersey Fellowship of the Ring you have just described. <laughs> <laughs> Another guy this, named Look at this guy with his fucking long. They eat this, about the same amount of breakfast. <laughs> the living members of this yeah, crew. Imagine the hobbits at the Bellagio. <laughs> um, Samwise wearing a fucking Plexico Burress Giants jersey. <laughs> can't, see, can't see over the edge of any of the tables but they are not leaving the buffet um the living members of the captain's crew satch uh oh, another guy satch. another guy named frank the arm what? so to be clear you named all the dead ones and it include russ the breather russ the breather no longer breathing ironically <laughs> enough and then, so fucking good at breathing no, it's it's like naming a big guy tiny. You know, Satch, you name right. dead Russ Russ the breather. Satch, Satch actually is kind of a dead name because he now teaches craps. I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. He does something called dice control seminars. The, the Satch method. He doesn't call it the Satch method. He goes by his real name, Dave. Listen, UCF has many interesting degree <laughs> programs. Okay. So, our group needs a Satch. Who are we going to call Satch? Kirshner. Kirshner. Oh, he's definitely He's going to love that. Yeah. Uh, Frank. No, wait, it's Godfrey because he's not here. I called, I called dibs on Frank the Breather. For now. For now. Can I be Doc? Yeah, sure. I just want to be Doc. You can be Doc. Okay. I like that one. Jason, what do you want your, uh, your Atlantic City crew name to be? I mean, the judge was pretty awesome. Do I have to actually do anything to earn it though no no jason the judge jason the judge kirk uh ryan you're gonna be you're gonna be badger <laughs> okay that's fine it's calling you yeah they're tenacious that's the badger man why do you call him that tenacious don't let him get a hold of your pants leg yeah i think the answer to every question about a nickname is oh you'll see <laughs> you'll see who wants to get badgered? it doesn't work as well for frank the breather yeah you'll see <laughs> just wait You'll see. What? Oh, wait, wait. What do you call him, Frank the Breather? Oh, he's behind you. <laughs> All right, so we also get to name hey, somebody Johnny. Close. Somebody's got to be Johnny Two Shakes. Johnny Two Shakes shakes the dice twice. It's not a very interesting nickname. Okay, that's Godfrey. Johnny Two Shakes. Uh, then coming back all the way around, like full circle here. Okay, at Tiger Funk sixty nine. That's, that's Richard. Oh, I thought we were still doing names. Uh, there was this one time when I, where I bet on a long shot to win the Heisman, 200 to one, and my sports book kept offering me thousands of dollars to drop the bet. <laughs> Maxed out at 4K. And I was like, nah, I'm going to ride or die with my dog. And my dog ended up winning that shit. Who, who is this dog? What, Joe Burrow. So we assume it's ah. Joe Burrow, right? And what, what do you the, like? think how Joe much? Was 200 to one. Preseason? I believe he was 200 to one. At 100, at okay, this guy has Tiger in his name. He's an LSU fan. This has got to be Burrow. Yeah. 2019. I'm yeah, 201. Yeah, okay. It was Joe. So, yeah. so what? how much money, what are you putting down? $50? If you're turning down four grand, you're probably putting down at least that much, right? You're putting a stupid amount of money on it, right? Like a real dumb amount of money. And 201 is, those are bad odds. In case you're not, in case you don't like, I'm gonna hear. Not if, opinion. not if you Those like winnings. Not if you like winnings, idiot. So if, if they're offering thousands, that means the payoff is. 
well into the thousands. Right, right. <laughs> Which means I would, that's a, I mean. That's a great thing where they're offering. That's a sign that you have snookered the people in power when they're like, hey, listen, do you want me to pay you early? I can pay you now. offering thousands, I think this means, um, well, 201, I mean, it doesn't take much to get into the more than thousands realm. Listen, listen, there's only two kinds of gambling stories that go viral. One type is this guy made this crazy bet months ago and now it might win. Like he parlayed these eight things and seven of them have happened. The other version is this insanely rich man has some, some unknown insanely rich man has placed a bet where like he has to put down $50,000 to win 12. Let's see what happens. Like those are the only (laughs) kinds of bets. The only kind of bets that people care about reading are insane in either direction. They're like, if this has no chance of succeeding or this has an excellent chance of succeeding, but if it doesn't, you'll lose untold amounts of money. I want the boxer who bets on the other guy publicly. That's what I want. That I want the guy who's like, yeah, you know, don't think it's happening tonight, boys. <laughs> I put a million on, I put a million, like if, if Deontay Wilder had gone, yeah, I put a million on Fury. This, this outfit's heavy. Did you hear yeah. the real reason, by the way, he didn't perform well in that fight, he says? Yeah, yeah. because he says his outfit was, including the batteries, was too heavy and his legs were tired. <laughs> the fucking diesel batteries. He's mostly, mostly I'm confused because this that suggests that like the first time he ever wore and walked around in this fucking costume was the night of the fight? Yes. Like, yes, that's, that's what just, happened. Just, that's what dress rehearsal is for, fucko. <laughs> If you, yeah. if you want, and it is if fun, you, like now that we know this, to go back and look at his entrance because he is taking tiny shuffling steps. And while you're watching it live, you're like, kind of awkward, but you know, you're really taking his time. Now it's like, ah, I see. I, uh, it, by the way, if you want really, really, if you want to take the, the big bet this year on who's going to win the Heisman, you want to go way out on that limb? Bo Nix is at 2200. At Bovada, one to twenty-two hundred. So more than two hundred. <laughs> just, just put ten dollars on them and see if they start calling you after game three. Hey, listen, can we, can, can we, can we buy you out? Also, uh, Mac Jones at about the same. He's at twenty-two hundred. To be clear, Spencer just suggested that you should invest in any way, shape, or form uh, in Ole Miss football. I did. Okay. I did. Betting against it, though. Hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, Mac Come Jones on. at twenty two hundred. Consider me intrigued. Everybody's everybody has a weakness to the gambler's fallacy, right? And I think this is yours. You're like, mm, I don't know. I could put ten dollars on Bo Dix there. Mm. No, Mac <laughs> Jones. <laughs> Come now. We I can do figure like- this out. This is one we got from uh, Jim at Disney. It's listen under wagering, and it's kind of limitless. It's more disaster, I guess. Um, He says, I flipped 10 straight heads at work once. The problem was I called tails each time. I wanted to show a coworker that you get lucky picking stocks. Actual takeaway, never take advice on individual stocks from me. Jim, (laughs) are are you Rosencrantz or Guildenstern? (laughs) Let's just keep this Tom Stoppard streak going. I mostly like that. Um, I mostly like the the idea where you're at work and you're like, I know how I'm going to explain the stock market by flipping coins and calling them. 
Uh, I have one from uh, at the Gax. He plays my favorite game, which is roulette. Um, on my honeymoon, I put a chip down for a single number in roulette and one. Then I did it again and one. Again, that's one to 35 to one to 35 that he hit back to back. I alternated numbers and colors for about 45 minutes. Walked away with $1,500 on an initial $100 stake. Son. So this is... Spencer, will you explain your grand approach to roulette? We got to talk about Spencer and roulette here because this is where I, we make fun. We make fun of you a lot. I have never seen you lose at roulette and it is fucking spooky. Not long-term, no. You see me lose like a hand or two, but yeah. No, I've yeah. never seen you lose at roulette, period. I know that you have lost. I've never seen it. Okay, so I'm going to give you... This goes back to, what, 2006? I'm going to wait for you to laugh. I think it was the first time we were in Vegas, but I've I've seen you do a lot of... I, I've seen you leave Vegas after like a week there of no gambling, and we're walking out to the car, and all of a sudden you turn around and just bolt for a roulette table, throw down $100, and just come back holding like wads. Here's the thing. What are you? To win at roulette... You have to have a positive attitude. <laughs> and this is where I want to laugh that I've seen this happen. No, you really have to enjoy it. And you have to have a positive attitude. Because all I do is throw chips all over the place. That's it. Complete chaos. Just garbage. There's no you feel. There's like, no like feel or hunch or you're just like spewing. Oh, out. no. Okay. No. You know, the numbers, my, the numbers aren't your friends, but the wheel and the ball they're your, they're your friends. You just have Spencer to be... just turns off the targeting computer and trusts the horse. I don't understand. The numbers are not your friends. Like the way you talk to horses. The wheel Basically. and the ball are your friends, but the wheel has the numbers on it. I only have one number rule. You always have to bet double zero. Well, but Ryan, there's, there's numbers on the table too. No, I, I, I just... Okay, so the numbers, I just... All you do, throw a lot around. Turn it into a coin flip, about fifty mm-hmm. fifty, which you can do if you're playing at a dollar table, right? Mm-hmm. You just throw them around. That's it. Don't no loyalty to any number except double zero. Just Listen, you know I around. will not pass up an opportunity to drag him for no reason at all. But I've watched this happen I've, for over a decade now. No, it's yeah. fucking weird. And it pays out thirty five to one. The best part about when you win at roulette is that you feel like a scientist. You're like, aha! That's not what science is. Not at all. Okay. That's kind this of how life. penicillin got discovered, so it's fine. Yeah, see? <laughs> the greatest discoveries of and our time. Krieger's a scientist. That's know? right. That's how they invented the atomic bomb. One day, a guy's just trying to make a microwave in a lab, and then boom! What was this? This was like two years ago. Mm-hmm. We were in Vegas. We were working on the book. Yeah. We hadn't gambled all week. And we were leaving. we were walking out of the Aria, like the last day to pick up the car. And you just turned around and bolted back inside the casino. Mm-hmm. And you came back with just like a handful of bills. That's right. That went uh, one. I had a hundred left and I came back out with 600. Nuts. Yeah. And all you have to do is have a really great attitude. That's it. That's uh, we were playing in. We played in. Where was it? Oh, it was in. Um, it was in Lake Tahoe. It was at the Hard Rock in Lake Tahoe, and there were two. Oh, yeah, for the and, golf thing. Yeah, there were yeah. two giant, like mobbed up looking dudes with like nugget rings who were throwing five hundred on red or black every time, and they were really cool. And they're like, "Hey, what are you doing? Like, like, how's that working, huh?" And because uh, they talked like Scorsese gangsters, and I just said, "Hey, man, you, it's you, seven you met, you met, you met Frank the Breather and the Captain. 
I did. I met Frank the Breather. And the captain was like, hey, man, just that? I was like, yeah, just have, a, have to have a great attitude. Just throw a lot of chips around. And that's, that's, that's why I... That's why I love the air raid. That's why I love Hal Mummy. What, did you win a lot of games? No, just had some fun, man. Just, just having fun. Do you, have you tried this approach with any other game of chance? Yes, and it's disaster. Okay. <laughs> it's absolute disaster. You can't do this at blackjack, especially because I really dislike blackjack because nobody will understand that you can't steal someone's cards. That's my right. favorite. So when right. somebody's what? sitting to your left, yeah, somebody sitting to your left will go, oh, you took my card. Okay. It was never Got yours, it. friend. Nothing it was, is. None of, this, none of this is ours. And then oh, he starts singing Dust in the Wind. Yeah. Also, sometimes I'll just play the wrong way at blackjack because it's fun. I like to do this because <laughs> it's roulette. No, 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 no. Don't skate past that. Don't skate past that. You will what? If the guy <laughs> to your left at blackjack is being kind of an innumerate dickhead, and says that, you know, hey, hey, don't, you know, you took my card. I guarantee you the next time the dealer's sitting on a bus card, I'm going to lose that hand just to fuck him. Just to make him mad, see if he'll lose the table. So this is That's why it. you have to stick to roulette because it's the only game. It's one of the only games, at least. Completely where isolated. Cannot hurt other people. That's right. You can just, you can actually make the same bets I make or put a chip on. Doesn't, I can't hurt anybody at a roulette table. Right. I'm a random event generator. And at a roulette table, I get to do that by myself where I can't hurt anybody. Arguably, the roulette wheel is the random event generator, but it's good that you two have found each other. I am the, <laughs> I am the Auburn football of gamblers. I should be isolated <laughs> somewhere where, where I can only hurt myself. 